Two outs now, man on second. 2-0 West Bromwich Trail. Sheffield Wednesday, one out away from victory. Fans have already left the stadium, headed out to beat the traffic. The two-out pitch just a bit outside. One and oh. With a win tonight. Sheffield Wednesday move into the, the top six in the standings. West Brom drop to two or three, depending on what happens around the league. Here comes the 1-0 pitch. Here's the windup. The pitch. Swung on, hit hard. Deep left field. Could it be? It is a two-run seat seeker. And just like that, West Brom has tied this game. Can you believe it, fans? Hello and welcome to episode 41 of Owls AmeriCast. I'm your host for the night from the Hoot Suite in Bluffton, Ohio, Evan Skilleter, sipping on a fine glass of Blanton's bourbon. I'm joined tonight by two of my Owls America's counterparts. First, we'll head out west to Portland, Oregon, hipster capital of America, where Mike LaRoon has lifted the needle from his latest vinyl purchase to join us tonight. Mike, I hope all is well. What obscure beverage are you critiquing tonight? I'm going to disappoint because I'm drinking a hot tea tonight because uh, probably going to go back to work after the recording. But nonetheless, uh, having a good night and glad to be here. Well, that is quite boring. But next, it's our captain from Manhattan, the one and only James Allen. James, what's to drink for you tonight? Um, I think we've, uh, we've, we're two and two, Evan. It's, uh, it's a hot tea for me too. Um, although I will, uh, I will disclaim for a second. So the reason I'm drinking a hot tea is, uh, is first of all, because it's, it's Yorkshire tea, the way tea used to be, or... Uh, well, let's have a brew, as they say on the box. Um, it's also because uh, Wednesday's antics last night left me in such a state of despair that I was forced to go to a Mickler NYC tasting event in Grand Central afterwards and uh, drink several uh, big barons, which um, left me feeling a little bit uh, less uh, like I fancied a hair of the dog beer this evening. So I've just got a big mug of tea to get me through the second pot of the week. So two teas for us tonight on Owls Americast. And it won't merely be our second podcast of the week, but also the second time we've recapped a match against the league leader. Once again, we hold our own against a superior opponent. And once again, a lovely screamer from a first-teamer. However, we lost the match. Feels that way to me, at least. And we'll find out from Mike and James if they feel the same. Additionally, we'll talk some Wednesday news and preview our upcoming Bristol City match. But, fellas, let's start with yesterday's disappointing draw against Norwich Lookalikes West Brom Albion. We had a different look on the pitch as Onamal replaced Bannon, like most of us expected. New Hugh also got the nod in place of Fletcher, and Pudil was back in the lineup. James, what were you thinking when you initially saw the lineup, and how do you feel it played out? Um, gosh, so many feelings, Evan. Last, last night was really, uh, it, it was sort of a feeling match, wasn't it? There were there was sort of feelings of um, elation, feelings of uh, trepidation, uh, and then feelings of despair, and they weren't necessarily in quite that order. But um, when the team came out, I think um, probably much as expected. I mean, it was nice to see. I thought I think Padil's actually had you know a, a decent uh, game or two before missing out on um, on Friday against Leeds. So it was quite nice to see him slot back in. I think he's he's done a reasonably good job on the left side of that uh, that back three. Um, Michael Hector kept his place, rightly so, um, and. 
you know, I think we we talked on Monday night about the fact that the only the only obvious replacement for Barry Bannon was to bring in uh, Josh Onema. So I think that was that was exactly the right call. Um, interesting to see Fletcher and who rotated. Uh, but yeah, you know, all, all in all, it looked like a a pretty good Wednesday lineup. Uh, albeit the the lineup on the opposite side looked, you know, frankly quite scary. Um, with uh, with Jay Rodriguez and uh, and Dwight Gale up front, so the trepidation came in in terms of the um, the pre match expectations. Um, the elation came in in terms of the way that Wednesday then performed, um, because for for eighty two and a half minutes, that was a really really great Wednesday performance, possibly our best of the season. Well, I think we played very well coming out of the blocks. Um... You know, like you said, 82 straight minutes. But I, I mean, the first half we were up 2-0. It was probably the best half of soccer we've played in a long time, uh, going even back to last year. Mike, what what was it that we did so well in the first half? Well, first of all, I like saying that this team is taking shots from outside. Um, I was actually at a, a horrible MLS game weekend, a nil-nil draw, and we complained so much about all the players taking extra passes. And it's refreshing. Um, even before Reach got his big bomb, um, you know, he almost got one off of his right foot in the first minute of the game, and then I think um, 30 yards out. So this is just—I mean, this is just reminding me of just a really exciting brand ball where they don't necessarily have to go into the penalty box. So I really think that. Um, yeah, they're keeping the defenses on their guard, and it's it's great to see this. So let's talk about the elephant in the room. Adam Reach is probably the most exciting player I've seen in a, in a two-match stretch ever. Um, J- James, did you get to see the goal? I, I know you were kind of – were you tied up at the beginning of the match? Uh, I, I was uh... – I was delicately balancing uh, my obligations of work with uh, with trying to follow the game, but I, I saw the goal very, almost immediately after it went in. After um, somebody who shall remain nameless, but um, lives in Connecticut and likes doing a lot of yard work with a big pole, um, told me that Adam Reach had hit the middle, and I had no idea what he was talking about. Um, but it just turned out that he'd, he'd just scored. I don't know quite why Jeff decided to say he'd hit the middle, uh, but. Very kindly, Evan. You shared me the uh, the image, or rather the uh, the video of it, almost immediately afterwards. So I got to see that in uh, in just delayed fashion. I mean, um, I was giggling because I, I don't think I've ever heard Adam, Adam Reach called an elephant before. He's quite tall. He's more like a giraffe <laughs> than an elephant. Um, he's, he's certainly not got a lot of weight on him. Um, and you know, one of the best two match streaks in history. What about t- two of the most um, incredible goals from a, almost exactly the same place uh, in history? I mean, just. Talk about you know lightning striking twice. I mean this time it wasn't kind of you know a big volleyed up and over. It was you know it was one of those reach raspers that ends up just nestling uh, in the top of the necks. It's still rising as it screeches through the stanchion. It was an absolutely unstoppable finish. Brilliant, brilliant goal from Reach. And um, you know it's I, I I I echo what you're saying, Mike. It's nice to see Wednesday players having a pop from outside the box again. Uh, I think um, did I read earlier on that we've now scored eight goals from from outside the the penalty box this season already? Um, you know, and that's a bit more reminiscent of how it was a couple of years ago when we were, you know, just just a bit more confident in in the quality of players and their ability to strike those uh, those shots from from nowhere. But uh, unlike on maybe uh, Friday night against Leeds where Reach's goal was really a little bit of a a kind of a, a respite from an onslaught from the opposition. Wednesday had really been growing into the game up to that point. Um, you know, they were controlling possession well, the defence was well marshaled, dynamic and 
uh, and engaging in midfield, and we'd had a number of chances before. So it wasn't quite the bolt out the blue, but it was certainly a, a, an absolute thunderbolt from Reach. So since Jeff isn't here and I'm the host, I feel like it's my duty to, to sort of defend Jeff in this situation. I'm going to go back to the conversation you were talking about. Um, Jeff may have been drunk. He wasn't texting very well. But the conversation started with the near penalty where Jeff said that was a penalty. And I said, as much as Fessy's was, I guess. And you said, for who? And Jeff said, Norwich. And I said, Hector fouled some guy with cornrows. It's not Norwich, Jeff. And Jeff said, then Reach hit a middle again. And that's what James is talking about. And James said, hit a middle. And Jeff corrected himself to missile or missile. So Jeff meant to say missile. It was a mistype, but either way, it was completely strange. Um, a strange, strange exchange. He doesn't really get any credit, though, for the fact that he thought we were playing Norwich, does he? I... See, I don't know if he was, I, you know, I mentioned it earlier. They do look like Norwich. Um, I don't know if he was serious or not. Um, I wouldn't blame him if he mistakenly mistakenly thought that we were playing Norwich, but, you know. I was going to say, you know, you don't really expect Norwich to play as well as West Brom can play. But in fairness, West Brom weren't playing all that well. So I suppose you could confuse them for playing Norwich like football. And then to compound the confusion, Norwich have actually been playing some pretty good football this season and have been on like a, what, a five-match winning streak. So, um, yeah, maybe it was like West Brom in Norwich clothing, but playing like this season's Norwich, but not quite at the level of Norwich. There's a there's a kind of conundrum for you. Um, what there I will say are. is I really like the West Brom um, badge. I don't know if anyone else noticed, but they've got like this 1970s style like, embroidered WBA uh, on that really weird yellow and green shirt. So uh, good 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 for them for that. Um, but they hadn't really turned up, you know. For all that trepidation I was talking about uh, and the the quality of players in their lineup, you know maybe it wasn't one of their greatest days. But but as I said, I, I thought Wednesday in the first half, you know the the passages of play that I was able to follow on I follow the the bits that I've you know, I've seen back subsequently. We we just really took that game by the scruff of the neck. We we played at a higher tempo. We stepped up. We um, we 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 controlled the midfield. And we'll we'll come on to talking about Joey Pedersen. But I thought he was you know he was really effective in in the role that he's uh, he's he's down to play in the middle uh, in terms of breaking up play and then releasing Onuma, who was who was giving us a lot of dynamicism from uh, from that Barry Bannon position. Yeah, I mean, it's not unlike performances we've seen recently where I think the opening of the Villa game, I think they looked amazing. Um, some of the other first opening minutes of some of these games have been great. But yeah, to see it sustained for you know, 70, 75, 80 minutes was amazing. I know we're going to this inevitable conversation about substitutions uh, for both teams, actually. But um, yeah, I mean, it was really a sustained high-intensity game um, that looked like they had scouted well. Um, you mentioned earlier talking about the, you know, substitute not substitutions, but the lineup selections. You know, and and I don't like seeing our players out because of discipline, but they, um, it's actually, I don't dread looking to see what the, the team news is for the day. Because I, I think that we do, Joss does have some options now. And I, I'm to a point where I trust him and I, I'm excited to see what he puts together. And this was pretty electric for 80 minutes. Yeah, so that, that's a good point. Uh, Onama is definitely a different player than Barry Bannon. Um, but what did he do differently that was effective? Not that Barry Bannon is, is unaffected, but he, like I said, he, he's clearly different. What was it about Onama's play, and either of you can answer, that w- was effective? 
I would just argue he looked like he was really comfortable playing with uh, Pelopesi, um, for, for lack of a better word. And again, that's not to say that Bannon's not. And I, I think our drinking game for tonight should be avoiding using the word hindsight. But again, it looked like it looked like they were controlling the midfield just fine. He looked really confident out there. Um, again, doesn't look like someone who's never had a start for us before. I think that one of the big differences between the two players and. Personally, I, I want to find a way to play them both because I, I, I think they offer something different. Yeah, Bannon tends to, you know, he plays the short ball, but he once he once he gets the ball, he's really looking to kind of launch an attack and and you know get it get the ball in behind the defence, play the diagonals, um, you know, kind of stretch the game. Um, and he's he can he can pick a ball that no other player, certainly a Wednesday squad, can. Um, and, and we've seen the fruits of that several times this season where he's just unlocked a defence with with an incredible through ball or ball over the top. Onuma's slightly different in that he's, he seems to want to carry the ball, you know, so he'll he'll pick the ball up, but then he'll he'll immediately take two, three, four strides forward and really kind of, you know, push Wednesday ahead, but without releasing it. And I think that's that's something we've been missing. We've been missing that sort of drive and ball-carrying midfielder, um, you know, someone like a Kieran Lee who, who will, you know, really kind of push the whole team forward and then the team advances as a unit. And I, th- I thought that was effective. It, it kind of it pushed Wednesday's lineup, um, you know, by five ten yards, and and that seemed to give Fessy the opportunity to to make more of a nuisance of himself. Um, and I thought he had a really good game, uh, particularly first half, uh, just in the way that he was he was kind of at his uh, irritating if you're the opposition best in the sense that he was you know he was turning players, he was creating space, he was getting in behind, um, just. You know, almost impossible to track as well in terms of the way he was drifting across the field. So Onuma was kind of giving him that option by just moving the the whole Wednesday unit up the pitch. Well, it's a great segue into Fessy's goal. Um, it's been widely talked about. New Hugh making a great play, sucking in some defenders, and then laying it off and uh, a nice cross to Fessy. What do we make of that goal? It was a young guy that that made that cross. To Fessy, it was a great ball, and we saw a couple good crosses from both sides. I think Palmer played well, um, as you well would say as, that, as Penny. You, but yeah, I know I would. Um, and, but I did, I did make a, a negative note about Palmer later on, so we'll talk about oh, that. Mark your calendars. Yeah, but uh, let yeah, let's talk about that goal. Well, right. yeah, I think you you nailed it. Um, you know, start off with well, it was actually a, if you go back and look at, I mean, you got to back up and look at the whole. The, sec- the whole section there, where it started off as a really nice counterattack. Uh, Penny got it to Nuyu. As soon as Nuyu went into the penalty box, you know, he was doing some footwork. I would say there were at least three or four defenders collapsed on him. He found Penny again, and there was that just that really nice cross. So, yeah, I mean, that's exactly the kind of thing we want to do. Uh, I think that, again, I think Nuyu, he always surprises us with his footwork from time to time. And uh, so, it's you know, it's nice to see he's getting recognized by defenses as well, and we can definitely use that. Can we just like you know, give uh, Fernando Forestieri credit as well for the nonchalance of the finish? Um, because I, I agree with you, Mark. It was, it was a lovely kind of team move that um, that set everything up. And uh, Penny just game by game, um, I think we all like him more and more, right? I mean, the fact that we've got a a, a flying left wing back who can uh, who can put him in a, a mean ball to the back post is uh, is is exciting enough. But just you know, when Forestieri gets that ball at the back post, he just he's unflappable you know just gets it under control and just it's just an easy side footed finish um into into the corner and he, 
other players would have kind of they would have snatched at that chance. They would have kind of they would have tried to volley it. You know, maybe tried to do something a little bit too clever. He just he just kept it simple, and it was yeah. In the end, I want to say he. And without even looking at it now, I want to say he almost dropped it off his chest, had both feet on the ground, and just kind of backed up and and popped it in. Where you're right, anyone else? I can picture. I don't want to name names on the team, but I can picture other strikers messing that up somehow, Um, being too close, being too open. Um, He just executed. And it's good to have him back amongst the goals as well. I mean, you know, I I firmly believe Forestieri is a, a confidence player. You know, when he when he feels like he's contributing, where he's he's setting up and and finishing chances, I think we'll we'll see more and more quality from him. Um, I'd love to see him go on a run um, like we had from him uh, a couple of seasons ago, where you know just really starts kind of you know getting in the ones and twos every game. Um, and the fact that he's there on the end of the ball, that he you know. He, He's kind of he's able to play higher up the pitch, as I was saying before. I think makes a really big difference to Wednesday. He's, he, for me, he's wasted when he's out wide or kind of you know um, secluded from the game. He he needs to be at the heartbeat and playing just in behind a, a lead striker and having that chance to play off the shoulder the way he did in that move is is exactly what we want from him. So we were in, in control of this match for eighty minutes, and it was about the eightieth minute when I tweeted from the Owls Americas account that I didn't want to say anything positive just yet but i i mean it was there were a lot of positive things to say like this is the best we've ever played this is the turning point of the season there were so many things i I was ready to say and so i sort of half-heartedly tweeted that and then all of a sudden a shocker of a first a uh a goal kind of came out of nowhere but i think we could all see it coming as soon as the cross was made um, this is where my negative note about Palmer comes in. He watched that ball so hard that he never turned around to see that there was another man behind him. And now he was he was marking somebody right next to him or kind of in front of him, but he had no awareness of what was going on behind him whatsoever. And so I, I'm curious what you guys saw on that goal. James, how about we start with you on uh, what, what went wrong on that first one? Oh dear! Um, what went wrong in the first one? What went wrong in those last ten minutes? I mean, th- this this is probably going to be the longest part of the entire review, right? Because for all of the good work that went into that, and, and let's just emphasise for a second, it wasn't just going in at half time two 0 up against the league leaders and having kept West Brom quiet. It was the way that Wednesday just controlled the game for the first half hour of the second half as well. I mean, just just kept up the same level of control, discipline. Everybody knew their role. It was fantastic. Um, what went wrong for me with that first goal, and I think it it plays into the second goal as well, is is what happened about two or three minutes before. Because it, you know we we're going to have to talk about the fact that Onuma comes off and the hole that that left in the centre of midfield and who he was replaced with, and we'll we'll come on to the kind of the whys and wherefores in a second. But he seemed to get a you know he got in a tangle, didn't he, on the edge of uh, West Brom's box. Um, sort of, you know, there was kind of like a bit of a, a scuffle, and he ended up kind of getting caught in the neck. And I, I've no idea whether he was injured or not, or whether it was tactical. But the second that Onuma goes off, Wednesday kind of ceded control of midfield and started. You know, West Brom suddenly started playing in a, in a higher press. They were playing on the edge of our box. And what really goes wrong for the first is the fact that we let the ball go out to Chris Brunt unchallenged, and the ball come back in from Chris Brunt completely unchallenged uh, from the right side, and. 
you know, you can talk about Palmer ball watching or otherwise, but actually that comes down to, to the left side of Wednesday's defence just going to sleep. You know, we didn't shut the ball out um, in front of the box, and then when we let Brunt put in a ball like that, we know what he's capable of, and he, he puts it exactly where he should do uh, in terms of causing danger. My final concern with all of that is is the fact that Dawson's still so deep to his line. You know, I, I'd like to see him covering that front post and kind of getting across um, across the attackers at that point, but. Um, in the end, it was uh, it was Pessy that ended up putting it in with his studs, I think. And then it continued to go downhill. Mike, were you about to say something there? No, I was just going to say we can't overlook the fact that there have been, uh, I believe, no clean sheets in eleven outings within the league. Uh, that can't be overlooked. And you know, I don't want again. I hear still hear and read people wanting Dawson. You know, let's try other options at goal. I don't think he's the problem. Um, I I see lapses in defense. Even if you go back to a game, I want to say it was the early one of the early games against Millwall had a very similar play to this, where uh, I just remember that the the ball was being passed inward from the the Millwall player, and Barry Bannon is the one running backwards trying to get get to intercept the pass. Um, it's just there's just these little lapses. Uh, I also see a lot of times where the ball is. is you know, getting headed straight up in the air in front of our own box. So, again, I don't want to get too off topic of this particular game. But, yeah, I, I do see where there's just lots of little mental errors that just add up. And it only takes one or two of those um, one or two of those situations in a game, and that's, that's where the clean sheets go away. So it continued to go downhill, and then the equalizer, James made this, uh, this agenda, and he's noted that it's everyone's fault. And I don't blame him. That was frustrating. I think I started screaming for a foul uh, about 40 yards out. And James, you say everyone's at fault. Is everyone truly at fault, or are there a couple of players you want to pick out? <laughs> every, every, everyone, everyone's to blame, but some are more to blame than others. Uh, I think the word you're missing from the agenda, Evan, is uh, is abhorrent. Um, it was also predictable, wasn't it? I mean, look, for those of us who followed Wednesday for far too long and seen this happen far too many times there was there was a point when we were still 2-0 up and and by this time by the way I'd, I'd made it down to the football factory for the second half so uh, so I was watching with a, with a few of our crowd in New York and you know even at 2-0 at 60 minutes we were having kind of the the slightly kind of fatalistic conversation about the fact that it was going to end up at 2-2 and even at 75 minutes so like there's still time for them to get back into this well let's keep in mind it's it's 2-0 and West Brom has pulled all three of their strikers and yeah. I did not think I did not think that was strategic. And if it was strategic, it was only to rest them up because it's a midweek game. Yeah, and and just the fact that Wednesday had nullified them as well. We still, you know, thought maybe something could come of it. The point is a two a two nil game when it goes two one. That the whole dynamic of the game changes, right? So that's where Mike's point about if the defense switches off and we let them get that goal back, then all of a sudden you're subject to pressure. What was devastating about that second goal is it it was literally the first pulse of pressure after they got a goal back. Um, and you know, actually, the biggest fault of all of it for me was the way that Wednesday failed to capitalise um, in terms of their own attack. So that whole move starts because Wednesday have an attack that breaks down. I think on the left hand side of West Brom's box, they basically give us the ball back again on the edge of the box, and we don't take advantage. They give it back to us a, th- a second time, and we we kind of just don't get it get it down and get it into the corners. And then Harvey Barnes sets off. Um, and as you said, Evan, you know, everybody's screaming for the foul 
Palapesi can't keep pace with him. He has to give away the tactical foul. I, I mean, maybe he couldn't get close enough to him to do that. Maybe he's trying to foul him and he, and he can't actually execute. I don't know. But he, he needs to bring him down. But if I'm going to name names, there were two people that ultimately at fault for that goal, and that's Tom Lees and it's Daniel Padil. Because when you've got a midfielder coming at you at pace from the halfway line, two experienced centre-backs shouldn't be backing off him and letting him get onto his right foot the way that they do. You know, Someone has to get a challenge in. They had opportunities outside the box. They don't need to go to ground in the box. They just need, they need to force him, force him out to the left, and they let him check back, and, and the rest is history, right? So, yes, and the rest is history. I really don't want to go on and on about this goal. Um, incredibly frustrating, but it was one of those where when it went in, I didn't even necessarily react. It was just, like you said, you you, would, you were talking about it up to the 75th minute that, that it, and 2-0, or 2-2, excuse me, and the the ball went in and, and I kind of had that same expectation as well. And I was disappointed, but there was no screaming like there generally would be. It was just like, oh, well, that makes sense. So let's move on to some talking points. A couple questions, uh, a couple things I want to talk about. First, was this Wednesday's best performance of the season? Aside from the last 10 minutes, have we played better than we did? And is it a performance that we can build from? I will say, yes, this was the best performance of the year. I hope they can build from it. Um, and again, I, I trust Joss to, to do something equally creative when he has, you know, fourth tier and, and all this, all these uh, folks at his disposal. But I, I really I'm, I was buzzing for the first 80 minutes. I hate to say first 80 minutes, but um, it only takes that to, for the class. Um, but yes, it was the best game. Yeah, I t- totally agree. Um I mean, look, we—I I think the Villa performance was composed and and impressive, but the game yesterday, Wednesday, bossed it. You know, we didn't—we didn't just kind of keep West Brom quiet and carve out a couple of chances. We we controlled the game, and you know, I, I intended to look at the stats before we we recorded this. I didn't get a chance, unfortunately, but I would wager that that's probably the game where we've created the most chances, you know, expected goals um, in in some time because. We just look like a more dynamic unit, and I, I, what I will say is, I think game by game, uh, and I figured this out after several McKellas last night. So after the kind of the pain had, had subsided a little bit, game by game we appear to be learning a little bit. You know, the team seems more organised. You can see some of the method of what Yoss is doing with the way in which he's trying to build in flexibility with the formation. He's trying to make them more creative. Um, we just have to cut out those unforced errors, cut out those defensive mistakes. But but there's plenty to build from. Um, you know, and if you look back over the last four games, we've played Stoke, Villa, Leeds, West Brom. You know, all teams that are fancy for promotion. We haven't lost any of them. Uh, we've beaten Villa, um, and we should have beaten West Brom. You know, if we if we kept our heads yesterday, we'd have uh, we'd have been up in the top six, and that's ahead of expectations. If we're completely honest with ourselves. Well, like you said, uh, another chance to go top six. We didn't quite get there. Uh, we're eleven games in. We've got sixteen points, only a few off of the top six. And as Jeff likes to say, it's too early to look at the table. Don't look until January. Um, but I, I don't think it's ever too early to at least know where you are. Um, if you guys could change a few things, Mike, we'll start with you. If you could change a few things or even just one that you think would, would massively or, or even 
just slightly help this team get over get over the hump and into the top six, what would it be? I'm going to say some more focus on defense. Um, I just think that it's they just get a little bit lax here and there. Like I mentioned earlier, I just sometimes see a lot of head headers going straight up in front of our penalty box, which just turns into you know almost set pieces for the other team. Uh, so just a little bit more focus there. Other than that, um, and again, that would help build um, confidence with the goalkeeping, and I think that's that's where I would start. James, same question. Um, well, if I could change one thing, uh, I'd cast a magic wand and I'd have a completely fit Kieran Lee and a completely fit Gary Hooper in this side, because I think uh, that then, then we wouldn't just be talking about creativity, we'd be talking about all-out demolition of teams. Um but that's not what I'd change most. Um, I think right now, and we we kind of we've, we've skipped over it. We mentioned it earlier, but I'm going to bring us back, and, and we need to talk about it. We've got to talk about substitutions. Um, and you know, I, I'm impressed with what Yoss is doing in terms of how he's building a, a style and a culture about Wednesday. It's a hardworking ethos. It seems to to get results, and he seems to have got the tactical uh, ability to to figure out most sides in this division. But that doesn't come across when he makes changes uh, the way that he does. And, you know, I, I, I'm i so supportive of the fact that we're bringing the youth through. But when we bring off Josh Onema, bringing on Connor Kirby in the middle, that that just doesn't wash for me. Um, and I don't want to in any way point the finger at him for the second goal, but we we were missing a controlling influence in the middle, uh, a wise head, a, a physical presence. And, you know, that, that isn't... Kirby's remit um, and he had players on the bench who he could have put into that situation you know he could have brought on um, Jordan Thornley uh, you know another young guy but who's who's been blooded at this level now um, you know or, or there were other options to go to and I, I just I just think we we have to get those critical decisions in the last third of a game right um, and see out more um, more opportunities like we created for ourselves to uh, to push on in the division. My last question before we move on to the Bristol City preview. The I think the biggest thing I've seen on social media and on the forums, the, the, the number one most talked about um, player online is our goalkeeper, Dawson. Do you, James, you first, do you want to see Wildsmith get a crack in the, le- in the league or are you content with with Dawson right now well I guess Westwood we could talk Westwood too if you want to um, but it feels like he's kind of he, he's not going to see another match at Wednesday I don't know what's going on there but but what do you think about the goalkeeper position um this is tough isn't it I mean look as as Wednesday fans we we love a a fall guy um and there's always one I mean we've we've mercilessly destroyed players of great caliber and players of great potential and they've gone and had successful careers elsewhere we've taken players who are probably pretty capable and we've we've crushed them and they're, they're still languishing somewhere in uh, in the training ground um I, look I, at the beginning of the season or pre-season i put my neck out and i said i thought dawson probably was the pick of the two young goalkeepers i felt like he had a little bit more in the way of um of command of his area and a little bit more um physical presence um, in terms of just his, you know, his ability to to play around um, the, the champ- with the championship att- attacking uh, teams in front of him, I I don't think it's quite worked out that way. Um, he seems to, it, 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 
a game like Wednesday night, you know, he made a brilliant save just before um, Forestieri scores the second. Um, so, you know, he continues to do good things and he clearly has a lot of capability. But then there's a couple of unforced errors in him every game. Um, and for the second, their second goal, he, you know, he doesn't get down fast enough for me. He doesn't, he, you know, the hand's not strong enough when the shot comes in. Um, and after 10, 11 games, as Mike said earlier on, when we haven't kept a single clean sheet, there's a lot to uh, to hold responsible for the defence in front of him. But that does make the case for somebody else being given a shot. Um, and you know, Joe Wildsmith did very well back end of last season. I think you know he he has to believe that he's he, he's worthy of a chance. But yeah, not knowing what's going on behind the scenes, I, I I will go back to my ultimate position, which is that Kieran Westwood is the best goalkeeper at the club at this point. He might not be the future, but he probably would get us out of some of these situations. Go on, Mike. You're the one that brought up the uh, the fact that we haven't had a clean sheet yet. You're yeah. all, obviously. Well, I yeah, and I I'm gonna take a stand against James on this one because I don't think Dawson. I, I really don't think it's Dawson. Um, I I I think he's had some more. I mean, yes, he had that great, amazing set there um, in the first half where he had a great block, and in every game he's he's had a few of those sequences where he's really had some amazing shot, amazing blocks. And I do think it's the defense is, is doing him wrong. I don't think he's done anything to deserve to, to lose the spot. Thus said, we do have an embarrassment of riches at goalkeeper, and I would like to, A, have a second one, get a little bit of game time, and B, if we're going to sell the third one, let's get him some game time and we'll showcase going. Um, I really just, uh, as, as I hear on, on Football Heaven and on social media, I just don't understand what's going on with Westwood. Um, but keeping, I mean, he could be one of our most valuable sellable assets, and it's time to decide what to do about that. But no, I, I don't think Dawson is, is, should be losing his spot yet. Well, fair enough. We will move on to some Wednesday news. And there isn't much, but we know that Matt Penny has been announced as the player of the month, which is good to see a, a young guy win that award, right, James? Uh, brilliant to see it and entirely deserved. I mean... Um... Uh, of all the, I mean, we've just you know been talking about Cameron Dawson, who of course he's got potential and he's got, he's going to be uh, successful, um, but you know maybe he's still adapting to the championship. Matt Penny looks like he's been here forever. Um, it just just completely um, comfortable and 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 flourishing in that that left wing back position. Um, you know, again had a, a really good game on Wednesday night. It uh, just just seems very mature and balanced and and ready for his opportunity and and definitely worthy of of player of the month. I don't know if anyone saw it as well, but he also just seems to be a really nice guy. Um, so on Friday uh, at the Leeds match, he he met a young fan who's uh, who's had a pretty hard time. I think he's been through um, several bouts of of heart surgery. Um, and met met this uh, this young boy and his parents, and unprompted got hold of um, the parents' phone number and texted later and said, "Look, I've got a pair of." boots can i can i present them to the uh, to your son and you know went back and met them after the game and uh, and gave, gave them to the little boy had photos taken and stuff like that i mean he doesn't need to do that that just seems it seems like he's a nice kid who's really really getting his um his just reward for for applying himself over the years in in the academy and and now really coming to the fore in the championship so totally deserved and and a quick note on that actually um We'll get to the Bristol City preview soon. Um, that that young boy is the same one who who last year Jack Hunt took under his wing. Um, 
he uh yeah, i think when when hunt was there the, so the boy's name boy's dad's name is maddie um the boy's name is jack and um maddie's on on twitter at maddie one nine nine one zero and last year he tweeted a bunch of pictures of jack hunt with with his son jack as um he said that that jack hunt had a very positive impact on jack's life and so yeah just just great to see matt penny kind of fill that role and um one bit of news first before we move on to that preview is that sam winall is close to a return as reported in twitter uh, or on twitter recently so mike do you think you think winall will, will make a difference or at least get a fair shot at, at making a difference well again i that's why i'm thrilled with i i'm a big yoss fan at this point because i think he really does whether it's on the, on the field or um, during games or in the training grounds, he really does get a feel for what capabilities are, uh, and he seems to really know where to plug players in and who complements who. So, um, I'm optimistic about it. All right, so let's move on to the Bristol City preview. How much do we miss Jack Hunt, James? Um, a lot. <laughs> I, you know, at times Jack Hunt kind of blew hot and cold for us, and uh, and you know we all talked about you know the fact that he was probably better going forward. Uh, especially when he had a rush of blood to the head uh, versus going backwards, but uh, he was he was and is a class championship right back, and um, I think we probably did the right thing by letting him go and getting a fee for him um, at the point in, in his Wednesday career that he was at. But I I think he 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 would still be a, a routine starting right back for Wednesday over and above uh, Liam Palmer and, uh, and Ash Baker at the moment. Um, so yeah, I th- I think he. He would have added something to the balance of our defence, and I think he, um, as far as I can tell, has, has made a good start to life at, at Bristol City. He seems, you know, well integrated with the team. Uh, seems to be enjoying his football, from what I can tell. Principally because I still follow him on Instagram, um, and um, and the fans down there seem to have really taken to him. So, uh, so it'll be it'll be fun to be reunited with him uh, on uh, on Sunday at whatever the ridiculous time is that we're playing in Bristol. Yeah, I think it starts at eight thirty a.m. here. Um, but Bristol City, they, they're they tied with us in points, 16 each. They have a better goal differential. They're plus three. We're at literally zero. And so last year, I, I know we got – didn't we get beat pretty badly last year? Can we avoid that this year, Mike? You know, there's been so much turnover that, yeah, I would not even – I don't think that should phase any of our guys, especially the younger ones coming through. No worries. Yeah, but we've had we've had a few uh, pummelings down at Bristol City in the last few years. Um, but that that, that one, uh, I can't remember, it was like March, April time, was it? Uh, that one still feels a little bit raw, um, and I, I suspect it probably does for Yoss as well, because that that was one of the games where, you know, the Wednesday side that he was building just seemed to completely capitulate on him, um, and Bobby Reed tore us tore through us. I think it was what is it like three nil by half time, or or maybe even four nil by half time. I can't remember. Um, so I, you know, I have to hope that Wednesday turn up in a far more professional way this time. But but Mike's right, you know, Brist- Bristol City have obviously um, lost a couple of their key players over the summer as well. Aidan Flint going up to Middlesbrough, uh, Reed um, heading uh, heading into Wales to Cardiff. So, you know, that they're, they're a team in transition as well. But they've um, they've brought fairly well, and they seem to have um, have got off to a you know pretty average start, kind of the same as uh, as as where Wednesday sit in mid table. Right? Isn't everyone on sixteen points now? 
Um, it kind of feels like there's uh, there's about ten teams within a, a point or two of each other between fourth and and sixteenth or something. So it, everything's to play for. It's such a competitive league this year, and and I sh- you know that that's the almost the most interesting thing to come out of of the last few games. You know, I didn't think Leeds were all that on Friday. I thought we we gave them too much respect and, and made them look really good. I thought we gave West Brom less respect yesterday, and we showed that we're not half as uh, far off them as we as we thought we might be. Um, if those are two of the best teams in the division, then this is probably a much more open year than than maybe we anticipated it would be, and maybe even a arguably slightly uh, more average than usual Wednesday side might be in with a fighting chance at the playoffs. So we have to beat. Yeah, them. It's that simple. I'm I'm excited for the rest of the season. I really am curious to see how do we do now that we've had this nice run against Villa, Leeds, West Brom. How are we? And this is where we were last year when we laid an egg against the likes of Bolton and Birmingham is how are we going to do against the teams that are at the bottom of the table? Um, and can we, you know, that's, that'll be the second round of tests is how do we do pulling away from them? So uh, game on, it should be good. And it's an important one as well. Cause we've got another international, another pointless international break, another chance to uh, try and follow what the hell that tournament is. They're playing in Europe. Um, so, you know, you, you kind of, you want to go into that with, with a win under your belt. So, um, and particularly because the league is so tight, you know, a win can can push you up there and kind of give you a spur on for when we come back. Um, or, you know, if we if we don't get a result, we could find ourselves at least in um, in the early table sense a, a long way away from uh, some fairly uh, horrific teams that are up at the top. So, um, you know, it's, it's a really important psychological one to go into the break on high. I think, um, particularly because we've got a tough test when we come back against Middlesbrough. And just some some quick stats for you from Bristol City. Andreas Wyman, um, he, he leads the team with five goals. You might remember remember his name from Aston Villa. I think he played for for Derby County, Derby County, excuse me, uh, most Derby, recently. Derby, Evan, gosh, Derby. How, yeah. how many times do we have to tell you? It's, it's rough. Yeah, sorry. Um, past him though, Josh Brownhill has two goals. Uh, Famaro Didu, who I have no idea who that is, even um, he has two goals as well, and uh, just kind of a balanced attack. Jack Hunt has an assist. Nicholas Eliason or Eliason, he has three assists. So um, really, no one to note other than Wyman, who has five goals, three more than the next closest to him. So, excuse me, choked a little bit. I actually switched to. A uh, Cascadia brew back to a space, a space dust, which I had on Tuesday, and kind of in honor of our Cascadian friend Mike on the podcast. Yeah, I was going to say, just, I'm touched. Just choked on it a little bit. Oh, so you got to be careful with those. Yeah, no kidding. Very... Was it a pine cone? Was there was there some kind of uh, spruce? No, or, it's, a, or it's a hop. It's just a hop on the front. Or it's it's one of those kids that look like, or one of those drawings that looks like a child of the forest from from Game of Thrones. That's um, your second reference in a week to the Children of the Forest from uh, from uh, Westeros. Very impressive. Yeah. Well, I, I like the way you're just slipping in a sort of uh, subversive, you know, uh, pop culture reference in there, Evan. You make it sound almost relevant. Yeah. Anything I can do for the podcast, guys. So, uh, kick off again. I believe it's eight thirty. I, I should have done my homework here, um, but I think it's a weird eight thirty start for Sheffield Wednesday on Sunday, which works out well for me because I have a busy Friday and Saturday, and Sunday I'll be up early and, and actually able to watch that. I'll be in Columbus, Ohio. And we have some meetups, I believe. Just one meetup, James? 
Yeah, the uh, the early kickoff time is not um, really very conducive to uh, to lots of meetups across the Americas. Our, our West Coast uh, brethren, in particular, uh, are kind of somewhat challenged by what will be what Mike a five thirty a.m. start for you guys. That uh, is what? a five thirty kickoff, and yeah. I am happy to say though the Toffee Club did have their first um, pre six kickoff a couple weeks ago with the uh, Tottenham crew, so and uh, it went well. So that's optimistic. So we'll we'll keep that in mind. Yeah, um, uh, I, I personally think you're absolutely not unpre- sensible. Not unprecedented. Not yes. not to uh, not to do that. Stay in bed and watch it on iFollow. Um, so yeah, so there's not not a lot of going on on the west coast where the lights will still be off. Um, over on the east coast where it'll be early, we're not much better really because um, I think the only scheduled meetup this weekend is in New Orleans uh, with uh, with Jamie and the crowd down there. So they're they're getting together for breakfast. Um, New York was uh, was on again, off again, on again. It was on again today when Jeff committed to getting up at 5am and driving in from Connecticut uh, until he found out that no one else was going, uh, at which point he decided he was going to stay in bed. So uh, we will all be um, we will all be sitting with our brews and uh, watching on our uh, uh, mobile phones and, and televisions, but not not all in one place. So Twitter is going to be lit this weekend. Is that the right word? Do we say lit these days? Twitter's going to be where it's at this weekend. Uh, only You're the hipster. Using your desktop. You, you yeah. yeah. Um, I, mean, I don't know about you guys, but I can't use Twitter and watch iFollow at the same time on my phone, which is very irritating. It's frustrating indeed. Well, this has been episode 41 of Owls AmeriCast. You can find us online at owlsamericas.com. You can email us at owlsamericas at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at owlsamericas. Our podcast intro and bumpers are by fellow Wednesday Ice Reverend and the Makers. You can find the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google, Podbean, and also new is Spotify. You can also find us probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no right way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume Al's AmeriCast, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American accent, we ask that you rate and review the show as it helps more Wednesdayites find our ramblings. Speaking of ramblings, you can leave the show a voicemail on our Dazed and Mumbled line at 1-401-307-1867. International rates do apply, but you can dial it for free using Google Voice. James is on Twitter, at Manhattan Owl. And James, will you be in your bed for the match this week? Uh, I will not. I have two young children who are never uh, up uh, any <laughs> anywhere near um, as late as uh, as eight thirty a.m. So I will be I will be up with them, and I think I'm actually going to be on the soccer field uh, with my eldest. So I'll be trying to uh, trying to engage with what he's doing whilst at the same time surreptitiously watching the Wednesday game uh, on the uh, on the cell phone. Mike is on Twitter, but he's going to have to tell you his Twitter handle on his own because I haven't written it down. Sure, you can find me typically Cascadia Owls or also Mike Laroon. That's L A U R U H N. But uh, stick with Cascadia Owls for the uh, Chef of Wednesday stuff. I'm on Twitter at Ohio Owl, and we will see you back here next week.